Welcome back or for the first time. I'm Oren Moore, and this is Two Poems Read and Heard, in which I strive to invoke the woe-wow within you, the listener, via poetry's power. It's a big lift, I know, but I've been working out. This episode is dedicated to all the teachers out there teaching English, be it prose or poetry or another form of English. For in teaching, we become more than who we are. I'll say that again. In teaching, we become more than who we are. Speaking of which, if you're assigning this podcast for homework, or better yet, home fun, hey, that's a good idea and might be a home run with the use. And want to know if the students got even this far into the podcast? The code word today is IMA, as in I'm going to try and bring you that whoa-wow by taking you to Wondertown, where the sky is filled with soft, enveloping mists that clear to reveal lightning, rainbows, sunsets, and metaphors that pierce through the humdrum and give you them goosebumps. The train for Wondertown departs in less than two minutes. There will be no advertising during the trip for listener enjoyment. More about the train conductor can be found at orinmore.com. Please gather your belongings. The theme today is elders. The poet Phoebe Hansen published a poem titled To the Woman at the Retirement Center in her 2003 collection, Why Still Dance. There's no question mark at the end of Why Still Dance. I like what you did there, Phoebe. Go, Phoebe. Go, Phoebe. Go, 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 Phoebe. This is the first poem that will be read and heard today. Hansen died in 2016, aged 88, meaning she published today's poem when she was 75 years old. She did not die in a retirement home. As well as being a great and known poet, she was known as, quote, a legendary teacher in Minneapolis public schools. And so I put that much more respect on her name. And now... On to the poetry as the train to Wondertown is done boarding and leaves in five seconds. Keep doing what you're doing. To the woman at the retirement center. You tell me when you were eight, newly arrived from Czechoslovakia, your teacher made you memorize a poem that began, I remember... I remember the house where I was born. Stranger to our language, you proudly learned all the verses, practiced them over and over in front of your mirror. But at the program, when you stood to recite in front of all the parents and other students, you got as far as, I remember, I remember, and forgot all the rest and had to sit down, shame-faced. Now you live in this 10-story retirement center where you cried most of the first month, so lonesome for your son, transferred to another city who couldn't take you with him because his house wasn't big enough. Sometimes, you tell me, you slip away from the recreation director who wants to teach you how to turn plastic beach bottles into bird feeders sneak up to your room, 
turn on the bohemian radio station, dance barefoot all by yourself as you used to, years ago, in the house where you were born. The woman at the retirement center does not remember the poem that starts with, quote, I remember, I remember the house where I was born. The words to the poem, like other words, have gone away forgotten. But oh, how she does remember how to dance barefoot to the bohemian music that helps bring back the house where she was born and the dances that shaped her. This callback brings the poem back round, helping us understand memory in more than one way. And studies show, hashtag science, that often the last thing to go are the long-ago memories of youth, the physical, nervous system memory of how to move, if not just like we used to in the litheness of youth, at least move in the same outline, be it to bohemian music or perhaps when I get hold, Bruce Springsteen and some of that 90s hip-hop, this is how we do it. Like lots of good poetry, Phoebe Hansen does much with few words, packing so much into her phrasing of, for example, quote, Now you live in this 10-story retirement center where you cried most of the first month, so lonesome for your son, transferred to another city, who couldn't take you with him because his new house wasn't big enough. Ten stories gives us an image and hints to me at the crushing anonymity of this life. And, quote, where you cried most of the first month, so lonesome for your son? Cried for a month? Like, golly, that's deep sadness I've never felt. If I cry for a couple minutes, which is rare, I'm usually spent and ready to wipe tears away and get on with it. No, it's just sweat. Don't worry about it. A month? And then it it doesn't feel like a throwaway line. I think of her crying for most of the first month. And why does she cry? She cries because she is so lonesome for her son, transferred to another city, who couldn't take you with him because this new house wasn't big enough. Really, though? Was her time at the retirement center really because her son's new house wasn't big enough? Really? Really, though? Perhaps it's just me reading into it, but I hear a veiled comment here on our Western world's lack of familial care for our elders. Most other cultures have grandmama and grandpops living with the rest of the family, no questions asked. Not big enough? Really? Really? I sense the poet speaking here of how some of our modern lives pull us apart from each other, sometimes leaving elders so lonely for their son. Like many a poem featured on this pod, to the woman at the retirement center does not rhyme in a clear, hard way, but its ending line sounds were clearly cared for and honed to create similarity of sound among the end lines around. For example, as you'll soon hear, The endline sounds early on in the poem have that hard R, as in, rut-row, red raiders in the rear. 
The poem is 20 lines, and here are the ending words of each line in order. Arrived, memorize, remember, stranger, verses, mirror. Recite, students, remember, shamefaced, center, lonesome. Couldn't, wouldn't, wasn't. Away, you, feeders, station, two, born. You know when you like something but you're not sure why? This endline dynamic is like that, I think. Pleasing but subtle and lending development to the poem. The only rule in poetry is that it has to work. And this works because Phoebe Hansen had the talent and worked it. Work it, girl. You deserve them flowers, Phoebe. That's why I'm giving them to you. Smell them fragrances. Yeah, they're a mix of roses and tulips. The poem is singly spaced, but for the last line, which is set off from the rest of the poem by a blank line, it reads, quote, Years ago in the house where you were born, reminding me through the image of a barefoot old woman dancing, that we all have our tests, hardships, and two celebrations where we can find them, originating ultimately in the house where we were born. Fossil evidence shows humans and Neanderthals tens of thousands of years ago are known to have cared for the injured and old long after they could physically help in hunting and gathering. And remember, this is before they had all-you-can-eat brunches and super sturdy four-bedroom, three-bath homes. I can tell you that. Hashtag gratitude. Indeed, this is one of the things that makes us qualitatively, not quantitatively, different from other animals. Time Calls, Not Us is the title of the second poem to be read and heard today. It's short. I wrote it back in 2018 AD. Time Calls, Not Us. In nature presently and all times past, the weak are yanked away and killed, the rest moving on. We do not call, and this makes us protect the weaker, slowed forever or for a time. For by our nature, we know that in time, we are all yanked away and die, the rest of us moving on to protect the weaker. What can we learn from the elders among us? Have you asked them?
two poems will now be read and heard back to back without commentary in between for those whom it pleases. To the woman at the retirement center. You tell me when you were eight, newly arrived from Czechoslovakia, your teacher made you memorize a poem that began, I remember, I remember the house where I was born. Stranger to our language, you proudly learned all the verses, practiced them over and over in front of your mirror. But at the program, when you stood to recite in front of all the parents and other students, you got as far as, I remember, I remember, and forgot all the rest and had to sit down, shame-faced. Now you live in this 10-story retirement center where you cried most of the first month, so lonesome for your son, transferred to another city, who couldn't take you with him because his house wasn't big enough. Sometimes, you tell me, you slip away from the recreation director who wants to teach you how to turn plastic beach bottles into bird feeders, sneak up to your room, turn on the bohemian radio station, dance barefoot all by yourself as you used to years ago in the house where you were born. Time calls, not us. In nature presently, and all times past, the weak are yanked away and killed, the rest moving on. We do not call, and this makes us protect the weaker, slowed forever or for a time. For by our nature, we know that in time, we are all yanked away and die, the rest of us moving on to protect the weaker.